Welcome to Brave, Bold, Brilliant. Your host, Jeanette Linfoot, talks to incredible people about their experiences and unleashing their full potential. From the boardroom tables of big international business to the dining room tables of entrepreneurial startups, embracing opportunities, overcoming challenges, taking risks, while staying true to yourself is where the magic happens. Hi, it's Jeanette here. If you're enjoying Brave, Bold, Brilliant, I'd love it if you'd subscribe, share with your friends and leave a five-star review. Let's do it. Here's the show. So welcome to Brave, Bold, Brilliant podcast. I am here today with Resh Sonchatla. I have managed to pronounce the name correctly, I hope. So Resh, it is lovely to see you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Jeanette. Oh, you're very welcome. Now, Resh, you have had a very interesting career and we're going to understand a lot more about you. But essentially, you've got a background in accountancy, project management, but you are the founder of Chapati Club. So we are going to learn all about your illustrious career, both in the corporate world, but also as an entrepreneur and kind of what you're doing today. So it's fantastic to have you on. And uh, we actually met, oh gosh, a few months ago, didn't we, at the Plan Mm -hmm, B conference. So yeah, so we're all into diversity and inclusion as well. So we'll be talking about that too, I think, as well. So um, fabulous. But Resh, do you want to just give us a plotted history on kind of you, where you started live, where you are today, and then we're just going to have a nice old chat? Yeah, so I started, well, I went to um, went to uni um, and I had, be, growing up in an Indian family, you know, I had, I had a choice of being a lawyer, an accountant or a doctor. So I was like, <laughs> but um, I desperately wanted to be like a hairdresser or a, a fashion designer, but I, I just, I was told I, I couldn't. So I took the accountancy route um, and if I'm honest with you, I probably hated it from, from the minute I started it. But like once you're, you're stuck in, you're stuck in. Um, so I studied, studied business and accountancy, finished uni, and then managed to get my job myself a job with BMW at their head office. And um, stayed in the business for about nine years. Um, and I, I was talking to somebody else about it today. And I think one of the, as much as I love, I love cars. And it was the fact that I was able to work with something tangible, which I think I love so much. And um, the bonus was we got to change our car, company car, every three months. So that that was a definite reason for me to stay longer than I probably needed to. Um, and then from there, I went to Centrica, which the owners of British Gas um, did. A, and that's where I think most of my, more of my project managing sort of skills started to become embed. Um, I worked on loads of different projects with them, really loved it, really good, good jump, bunch of people. And then from there, I decided to take a bit of a career break. And this is probably one of the first times. So I've been working like 20 years of my life by now after uni. And I thought, right, time to take a bit of a break, you know, take a breather. Because the food thing that we'll go on to was really niggling at me. You know, it's like I couldn't shake it off. Um, and around that time, so it's about t- uh, 12 years ago, 13 years ago, I met my partner at the time, Hina. So I'd met Hina. I was in a process of like, I want to take a bit of a break here and see what else is out there. Um, so I knew there were sort of big changes coming because um, I'd met somebody that I knew I probably want to spend the rest of my life with as well. So I was like, okay, when I do these things, I'm going to do them now. So I went to India 
um spent about two three months in india you know trying loads of different regional food and health food was even though growing i grew up in an indian family my mum's very re vegetarian um that is all i kind of knew was my mum's way of cooking you know i've been to loads of restaurants and stuff but i really wanted to understand the different variations of how indian food is made and why is it that you know i i could drive a mile down the road and it will taste so different you know um so i want to really hone in on that that indian food and my parents and hina's parents are both kenyan indians so there was that element to it as well mm. so anyway i spent a couple of months in india came back um and what did i do i got another job and this time it was in private equity um and I think for me, I don't know what it was. I think, you know, when you've got a job, you know, you're safe, you've got income. Um, and Hina and I had talked about having a family. Uh, and for us, it wasn't going to be the conventional way. It was going to be a lot of IVF, um, a lot of visit, visits to the doctors. So we needed to um, factor that into the way our lives were. So once I started working in private equity, yes, you know, good money, stable, um, but I thought I cannot live this sort of life. I was working silly hours. I couldn't have that sort of a career going forward, knowing that we're going to probably have small children, you know, at some point. Um, so I probably stayed there about five, six years. And in 2016, I had um my my niece so my this is my cousin's daughter um she died by suicide and that for me was probably one of the biggest reasons i thought i need to get out of this corporate stuff i need to get out i need to because i didn't know it but i was probably my mental health probably wasn't great but i just didn't know it wasn't great you know, because it's the only way I knew to work was to work for a corporate company. Mm. And what it was doing to me mentally, physically, you know, my relationships, um, it wasn't healthy, you know. And then when what happened to my niece happened, it really knocked living daylights out of me. I was like, wow, you know. And, yeah, it was for different reasons. She was young. But I had, that's when I decided I need to make a change in my life. And the food thing, I need to sort of, live my life now and I need to do something better for me um so yeah left left private and just saw this place in Acton which was an empty empty restaurant it was cheap it was probably the really affluent sort of area but on the most cheap road possible if that makes sense yeah um because I didn't want to feel like you know we're going to throw all our um savings into this because at the same time we were going through IVF, which was obviously costing a lot of money. Um, and we'd been through IVF. He, he and my partner tried, we'd probably tried about three cycles at this point, um, and it hadn't worked. So it was now sort of April 17, and we're about to open this restaurant. So we opened the restaurant, no experience, didn't know what I was doing, just going on gut feeling constantly on how to operate this business, how to find staff, how what we wanted the food to be like. Didn't have any consultants in. It was all just our heart on a plate, yeah? 
And then we opened the restaurant on the 7th of April, 2017. And we had another IVF session booked 10 days later. And this is obviously around your cycle. So you can't just dip in and out of when you're going to have your treatment. And I remember saying to Hina at the time, can we please postpone this? Can we please not have this cycle right now? Because my stress levels were like off the off yeah. the Richter. Like, you know, when you've opened a business that you don't know anything about. And Hina said to me, no way, you know, we've waited this long. We're going to just do it. You're going to forever be now. There's always an excuse, right, to put something else off in your life. Um, so she somehow managed to talk me around and we're like, okay, let's just do it. And um, nine months later, our little baby boy arrived. So it was like, you know, it was the, the highest levels of stress where we weren't thinking about the IVF, right? Our brains and our bodies were engaged in something else, mm. um, which allowed us not to really think about it. So when, when we did find out um, that we were pregnant, it was like, wow you know you've really just gotta sometimes stop thinking about the thing that's absorbing you so much you know um and in in another world i think we might have gone on holiday or i don't know what we'd have done but you know it worked and he turned five like 10 days ago so wow um, yeah so that he's he's quite pivotal in this whole thing Wow. Well, I tell you what, Resh, what a story. I mean, there's a lot going on here, isn't there? Yeah. A huge amount going on. And you know what? As you were talking, I was feeling a bit goose pimply, actually. I must admit, you know, there were the, obviously there's a lot of emotion that you'll bring into to this. And but that's life, isn't it? You know, that that's mm-hmm. life, that's business, you know, and, and it makes me laugh sometimes when people say, Oh, business, or oh, it's not personal, it's just business. Well, no, it's about people. It's always about people mm-hmm. and emotions. So, you know, I think first of all, thank you for sharing so openly about you know kind of what you were going through and I mean how wonderful you know that your son is like five years old now and and all of those different turning points where you could have made a different decision actually and and you know sometimes things do happen for a reason and uh, I think it's fabulous that and there's so much here I want to, to kind of talk about Resh so huge amount in terms of your cultural background you know being a gay couple with a son you know the whole IVF side of it the jump from corporate to entrepreneur I mean listen we we might have to do two podcast episodes fresh <laughs> to cover all of this but let's let's make a start at trying to sort of dig into some of these areas if it's okay so so let, let's um let's focus on on the sort of the the business side of things now and just to start off with so you know you were in that corporate world and you, you I remember you when you started talking you were saying that you went down the accountancy route because it was almost I suppose what was expected of you you know family and that kind of thing and you never really you you spent a lot of time doing that and you never really enjoyed it it wasn't your thing um did you know that at the time or was it only on reflection that you sort of thought you know what what have I been doing you know obviously there was a pivotal life event for you with you know with your niece as well that that kind mm. of but thinking about that sort of early start in your career of choosing accountancy, nothing against anyone who's an accountant that's listening, by the way. It's a great no. profession for many people, but it wasn't right for you. So did you know at the time, Resh, that, that you were doing something that wasn't actually, you know, rocking your bow or was it only on reflection? Um, I think I knew the whole time, actually. I think the whole time. It's funny, like I, I, I sort of compare that a lot with um, my sexuality as well. So I only I only came out to my friends and family like when I met Hina which was about 13 years ago 
Gosh. I knew she was the one, right? Mm. And it's the same with this career thing. It's like I've always known it was not not me and it wasn't right for me. Um, I didn't, you know, I talk to my friends who are accountants now and they love what they do, you know. And I cannot, I cannot relate, you know, I cannot, um, I, I love the analytics side and I love what data can tell you. Um, but sitting there doing month end for somebody else or year end, I, what was I doing? You know, so, but at the time, Jeanette, you know, it was more about um, climbing that corporate ladder, you know, and I thought, okay, once I get to that level, I won't have to do a month end anymore. And when I get, you know, and it was that, it was just like, how can I get up the ladder? But, and you've touched on it, you know, it's the, in reflection and the conversations I probably had with my, my superiors at the time, it was probably the whole D&I card that was stopping me get to where I wanted to get to. And probably if it wasn't, you know, for my sexuality or, you know, the whole D&I thing, maybe I'd be not talking to you right now as an ex-restaurant owner, you know, it. I might be somewhere doing something else. And it's funny because um, it's just those um, engagements you have with people, those interactions you have with people that that sometimes it's like sliding doors, you know, the right place, right time, wrong place, wrong time. It's it's a bit like that. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's so much in here, you know, and I think there's, you know, for anyone listening, there is not that, you know, I think the point is find something that you love, because if yeah. you can find something that you love, then one life's going to be a, a lot more enjoyable. It's not going to be a chore. Um, but but also you're 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 probably going to operate at your best or at a best a better level because it's it's you know it's more it's more close to your own purpose and what you really, really want to to achieve and do. And you know, when you when you were then sort of you made the decision to you, know, you went off to India and I I, I love India by the way Resh mm. and I spent a lot of time in India myself when I was at TUI I had a business to India so that was under my responsibility I spent a lot of time there in fact my other half Chris he he lived in Goa when Goa was first setting up as a tourist destination in the 80s when there was it was not like it is now so we've yeah. got this massive kind of love of India and Indian food you know so I'm still in touch with a lot of the uh, a lot of the, the guys over there but you're right you went on this sort of almost self-exploration I suppose in a way to find yourself but also to to understand the whole kind of you know ethos and history behind the different foods in, in across India so when when you were there in India going through that process did you did you have a clear plan at that point or was it just that you what you wanted to get away create some space you kind of had this natural interest anyway for food and, and obviously the cultural uh, background that you've got. Um, or did you actually go, no, I'm going, I know exactly what I want to do. This is just a step towards that. Was it very much um, a sort of a, an exploration? Yeah, it was just, an, I think I just wanted some space away from, mm. you know, being in the corporate world for like 20, 25 years. And I thought, you know, what am I, it's constantly like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? You know, but, I I think in inbuilt in me was that expectation of what others had of me. You know, I, I'm the eldest of three siblings, and um, you know, I always, in a weird way, I'm not saying financially at all, but in a you know, it's something inside me has always told me I'm going to be successful, and for me, in my head, I thought that meant climbing the corporate ladder. You mm. know. Um, 
but what it was doing to my mental health was quite the opposite you know I thought and it was that constant like, why am I doing this you know why am I doing this and then you'd be like okay now I've met Hina and I know that we want to have children one day so I've got to be in a secure job I've got to have that big paycheck coming in you know it's just that expectation of you from society or family members or parents and mm. you know growing up you know one of the things that always has resonated with me, with me was that you know my parents my mum always wanted to be a nurse um and she met my dad um and my dad when you talk to him he's like he always wanted to be a lawyer and he would have been an amazing lawyer um but because of family pressures you know they came over from Uganda and Kenya sent over from by their parents to start earning money so my dad you know got a job as a bus driver and it's that thing is that once that money starts rolling in you can't get away from it you can't be like no I'm going to stop that I'm going to go back and study to be a lawyer for three four years um and I think I sort of have mirrored that in that okay I've trained you know I've done some accountancy exams here now that's what I need to do and I really wish in hindsight I took that theoretical advice that my parents didn't get to do what they wanted to do because they had to earn the money Mm. um yes I needed to earn the money but probably not to that level yeah Yeah, well, I mean, listen, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think so much of our backgrounds and family setups, you know, it does have a massive influence on on kind of our mindset, the approach, the expectations, the pressure. <clears throat> and very often, it you know, it's it, that comes with the best intentions. You know, your parents would have want the best for you, you know, I'm, I'm sure, mm-hmm. because, because, you know, that's that's sort of the norm. But I suppose there is another way and it, and it can take a while for that to kind of manifest and show itself to you. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's, um, it, isn't it brilliant that you, you got there in the end kind of thing, you know, because some people never actually do make that break. They, they just have a life of regret of, Oh, I wish I'd done that. I could have done that, you know, mm-hmm. and then, and then they, they, they go, they get to a certain age of their life or, maybe when they're on the gasping their last breath, they're going with all these regrets and, you know, and you're not doing that, which I think is absolutely inspiring and amazing. And for anyone that's listening, that's or watching this, that's thinking, oh my God, I'm in that position. I think if you've got a dream, just bloody go for it. Because if it doesn't Mm. work out, at least you've tried, you'll have learned something and it'll probably lead you onto something else that's actually going to be great. So, but to to never know and to always wonder, I think is, is, is a crime really for you, for yourself. Um, So I think you've, you've done fantastically, fantastic and making that break. And, you know, you talked about uh, earlier, you you know, your sort of sexuality and coming out, Resh. I mean, so you, you were, I suppose, a, a, quite quite an old, older person coming yeah. out in you know yeah. in the whole context of, of things did did it hold you back in the corporate life in your corporate world do you think that sort of been in the back of your mind did you feel like you were almost living two lives and and kind of having to put forward a certain image if you like of of what what people thought you were versus what the reality was or or did that not kind of play out that way for you yeah no it did and I think I think you've sort of hit the nail on the head and now it's probably made me think okay that was the reason so when I was in, in my corporate career, I I wasn't, I didn't come out at all, you know. And, you know, if you're holding a part of yourself back, you're never going to fully progress, right? And yeah. that's probably been the one of the biggest reasons I probably didn't, you know, flourish in the way I could have done. 
because mm. I was not being true to myself and people didn't really know me for who I really was, you know, or, you know, you'd be like, what did you do at the weekend? And I'd just have to make something up, you know. It must have been so hard, you know, yeah. I mean, it, that, and because that's, that's constant, that constantly there, that would never go mm. away. I mean, you know, I can't, I can't imagine how tough that must have been for you at the time, actually. Yeah. And it was, it was, it was a work, but also amongst my friends and my family so it was just me living this other life that no one knew about, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, it's only when I met, met Hina, you know, that's when I thought, okay, this for this person, I'm now going to be true to everyone because I'm not doing this for another 30 years of my life, you know. Um, so it, it came to a point where it was enough, you know, I had to stop. Yeah, well, I guess I guess your your need became a must at that mm. point, you know, I mean, I, I I love old Tony Robbins. I don't know if you ever listened to Tony, but he talks a lot about that, you know, that it's not until your need becomes a must that that's really mm. when when things can change. And that's obviously what happened with you. And and when, when you actually did come out then, uh, Resh, how was that received? You know, were people supportive? Were they shocked? Did they actually sort of a lot of people know anyway but just hadn't had the conversation you know how how did it how did it actually play out for you was it was it as as bad a situation as you'd maybe made in your mind or or was it was it better than it could have been you no, could have I hoped? think yeah I think people were just waiting for me to to say it or come out with it to be honest and then yeah. you know it's such I, I you know I, I can still feel it now but it's that you know your shoulders just going you know um and just being able to be really honest and everyone was just didn't care, you know, they're like, yeah, we knew, we are just waiting for you to tell us, you know. <laughs> um, and it's so, so funny because it's like, God, I've just wasted 35 years of my life not telling anyone <laughs> Well, there's such a massive lesson in this. There really is, you know, because because I think, you know, so often we do, you know, we worry so much about what other people will think, what other people will say. And it is, it's dangerous, isn't it? And nine times out of 10, they don't give a shit. They're so busy. They're so busy dealing with their own stuff going on. It's not that they don't care, but they go, all right, okay, yeah, fine, crack on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, well, oh, oh, bless you. Well, at least, listen, I mean, it's great that, that you and Hina, you know, you, you've kind of got your lovely family unit and, and you have made that made that move and you'll, you'll be your true self, aren't you now? And, and you know, that that's that's fantastic. So, so can I just talk about the kind of the entrepreneurial side of things? So you mm. you, you started um, Chapati Club, you opened the restaurant in 2017. Um, talk us through to th- that sort of experience for you and, and kind of how the business has gone, where you are now, because obviously there's been some changes on that front as well for you hasn't there over you know quite recently so yeah give us a give us a clue so we so we opened the restaurant um it was very much based on Indian food North Indian food with the Kenyan um sort of twist to it so our parents Kenyan and what we did is we brought in sort of homemade recipes so it was like you know the way we would eat at home and that was the, the reason for the name actually so chapatis you know we eat them day in day out you know, our mothers would cook piles of chapatis, they'd be on the table, there'd be one or two curries and everyone just, you know, fights over the curries, right? And that's the concept we wanted to bring to the table for others to share. And, you know, we really did achieve that. We really achieved that homemade style cuisine that, you know, doesn't feel like, oh God, I've had a curry and I feel a bit rough or, you know, there's that whole concept of a, a beer and a curry, pint and curry and 
that wasn't what we were about. We were about really nice wine, you know, um, really well locally sourced food, uh, vegetables, and bringing, you know, it was like we had probably 10, 12 dishes on the menu, but they were done really well. Um, and it was like, I wouldn't say we were cheap eats, but we were on, you know, we weren't fine dining. The the music we played was all, it was, we were bringing our childhoods basically onto the table. So we were like old school R&B, old school hip hop. The walls in the restaurants were graffitied. We had, you know, reclaimed school chairs, church chairs, um, tables that were like from an old coffee shop or something. So it was a real just bringing the old school back into the food and food hall, right? The way mm. we would eat at school. We would serve like our beers were like Kenyan beer. So it's bringing that authenticity back into the into the restaurant space as well. So we're trying to be really true to ourselves. And then there was this one point, I think in 2017, yeah. So we went to, we opened in April. And then that June, we went to Pride in London. And Hina picked up a gay flag and she was like, on our way home, she was like, you should put this in the in in the window at the restaurant. And I was like, no way, you know, because we were in Acton, quite a diverse community. Yes, our customers knew that we were a gay couple, but I wasn't ready to like put a gay flag in the window, you know, because it's like someone might put a brick through the window or something, you know, you don't yeah. know, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, me and Hina had a bit of a conversation about it. She's like, why not? I was like, I just don't feel comfortable with advertising that we're a gay-owned Indian restaurant, you know. And then I thought, hold on a minute. There isn't, I don't know of any other gay-owned Indian restaurants. So maybe we should, like, use this a bit and play on it a bit. As a... And we did, you know. And then after that, you know, we, we after a while, we took on... Um, some PR work with a with a guy that we know and um we really played on on that you know as our sort of strap find that you know with this gay Indian couple um and we we own a restaurant Indian food because there wasn't even now I don't know of any Indian spaces that you can go to as a, you know as a gay person and growing up if I knew there was somewhere safe I could go and just hang out have a drink or a cup of tea hundred percent I would have been there because I know my straight friends or my straight family wouldn't have been in there yeah. and I think for us it was then really important to create the restaurant into be a real safe space for other Indian Pakistani Muslim people to just come in and just be you know and we really if there's one thing I take away from what we created it was that you know we really did open our arms to people that didn't feel safe going to a pub that was full of straight people um or you know go to restaurants and we had couples come in gay couples come in and just be themselves you know and it was lovely it was a beautiful space and um unfortunately last year um summer we did have to close um and that was we got through the pandemic um and it was really good for us um we created meals for the nhs and it was after the pandemic that things started to sort of go wrong for us. So this time last year, like January 2022, um, the number of the people footfall, it just diminished sort of very quickly. And I think that's to do with the fact that people's habits, eating habits, 
changed. You know, they didn't want to go to restaurants on Fridays, Saturday nights anymore. They wanted to get that takeaway or they want to sit by the TV because that's what the pandemic made us do. And now you're trying to undo another habit, you know. Um, and we kept the business going until sort of June last year. And then it got to a point where I um, spoke to somebody independently. You know, we looked at the bank account or like, you haven't got long left, you know. So we decided to very quickly, unfortunately, had to shut the restaurant down and, and liquidate the company. So um, the space is gone. Um, the brand is still very much alive. Um, we've, been, we've done a few pop-ups and stuff since. Um, but it's that space that we wanted to create. And, you know, hopefully, we, you know, the plan was we were going to multiply and open open more sites. Um, but for now, that, that's all on hold. Oh, well, well, listen, I mean, it's it's not easy running a business. It's not easy starting a business. It's not easy anything that you you kind of have gone through as a, as a and as you, you said earlier, you know, before we press record, you know, as a solopreneur, it, it's tough. You know, you're trying mm-hmm. to do everything. You know, you, you're, you're obviously very, very astute on the commercials and the and the finance and the numbers side of it. But, you know, you're learning a whole new set of skills operationally, aren't you? Service delivery, yeah. all these yeah. things, you know, concepts and et cetera, as well as having you know a lease on a on a property where you've got the commitments yeah. going out every month and you need the turnover to be a certain level so there's a lot in here but you know I mean from what you've described Resh it sounds like the concept is it was incredible I think you're absolutely right you know that the value sitting behind the proposition is mm. is really strong and there's a gap in the market you know there is a definite need you're solving a problem for a customer aren't you that hasn't mm. got that safe environment and providing amazing Indian food to boot you know that kind of brings all the those elements together so you know I really really hope and I'm sure you know anyone listening to this if they're listening to it thinking hey what a bloody brilliant idea get in touch with Resh you know if you've got money you want to invest you want to support you know Resh and Hina then absolutely do it it sounds like an incredible incredible concept that you created and maybe it was just the timing sometimes it's just Mm. timing um so if you had if you had the opportunity Resh then would you like to sort of you know uh open more open a restaurant again maybe you know revisit where you were and but in in you know in a way that's going to be allow you to sort of you know move forward profitably and successfully would that be you know on the radar for you guys yeah, I think that, and that, that's what it was. It was, you know, it was to do with scaling. And if you don't scale, you, you know, you you are in trouble. Um, and I, you know, for us, it was like we were, we were, funny enough, in two thousand nineteen. You know, we were going to look at other sites, and um, we look during during the pandemic. Actually, we opened a dark kitchen in Bermondsey that was just helping as well. And um, everything, you know, we planned to do in two thousand nineteen just got you know like a lot of businesses not just us you know it, it, it put us back and um I think because we didn't then didn't recover um it made it hard for me mentally to think okay let's open another site regardless because I think I was qu- quite nervous about what was going to happen next you know is this pandemic over is it going to happen again um and then and then we had another baby as well in the pandemic so it was <laughs> Wow. My, I think my my sort of commercial brain turned more into okay. I need to sort of think about the family now, and, right. and what's what's yeah. right for us, you know. And Ruthie, our little girl, was born bang in May twenty twenty, um, where 
I was allowed to just sort of go to the hospital with Hina for the delivery and then got sent home. And there was there was all of that to navigate around, you know. Um, and I think, you know, that there's a lot of conversation like, you know, I it, probably not say this, say this, but if I was a guy, if I was if I was a bloke, I think it would have been easy for me to just carry on trying to grow the business irrespective of what was happening at home. Mm. And I think because I'm a woman and I I get it, um, I thought, no, I need to stay at home. I need to be here for my family. And it yeah. was very um, easy for me to sort of make that decision, you know. Um, so I think the pandemic was funny because if that's when a lot of businesses flourished or grew or, you know, opened and, you know, but for us, I think that having a baby sort of, you know, it made us sort of reevaluate, okay, this is what we need to do with our lives right now. Um and it takes strength and courage to do that, you know, it really does. And and you're right, sometimes again, you know, you can get swept along with business, business, business. And that, you know, and that's great. You know, you love what yeah. you do, you want it to be successful, etc. But at what cost? You yeah. know, and 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 I think it's it it does take real courage to say, well, hang on a minute, you know, right now. Right now, my priorities need to be my family. You know, we've got mm. a new baby and, and and you know, the, maybe the environment, the conditions out there are not conducive. And mm. actually, we can always pick this up again. But, yeah, it must have been very difficult to make that final that final decision to, to close the doors. Can you fit? Can you can, if you think about that day when you kind of, you know, the last day you, clo- you, you close the doors? Is it is it really emotional for you, Resh? Or are you quite kind of, you know, black and white about things once you've made a decision? That's it. You're done and you move on it was funny like when um when we closed yeah like say close the doors but um I I was okay I was okay I was okay and then we had to call in our last star to have a chat and um I think they saw the real emotional side of Rich that they didn't think was there you know because they just see me as this like business owner that was there to be part of them and we, we were part of each other and I think they just all saw a side of me that yeah it was killer it was it was really hard and I think I probably spent two or three days in bed like really really low really down you know um and I think unless you've been there it's very hard for other people to appreciate what that might have felt like yeah yeah how, how did you bounce back from that then because obviously you know you, you you are feeling in a pretty low point at that at that stage how, what, what what were the things that you managed to kind of bounce back and, and pull yourself pull yourself out of that place there was like an influx and even to this day influx of messages from our customers you know constant like that that constant support is like yes they couldn't believe we'd closed but the lovely messages that we were getting as a uh, you know out of it was um you know how we changed people's lives and you know, we've seen families grow, you know, people coming in, ladies coming in pregnant to then having five-year-old kids. And we were part of this institution, you know. And um, to this day, you know, we still get lovely messages from people. And for me, it was like, okay, I need to really focus on my family now. And, you know, we've got a two-year-old and a five-year-old that, that need our constant love and support. So um, yeah. here for them, really. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, what, what did you learn about yourself through that time? um that I can do it again you know I can bounce back um hopefully not take me as long as it did but yeah um having that ability and that network and hospitality is you know it became a world where I've made so many friends 
and people that will just reach out, check in on you. Um, and it's such a good network, you know, whereas in finance, you would, you know, you wouldn't have had that. Yeah. You're right, actually, because, you know, we, we've we our paths crossed at the Plan B conference, which has now been mm. rebranded as Balance the Board. So big shout out to, to, to Holly Addison, Emma Corza. Who else am I missing? Hang on, Anne Elliott. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so so they, you know, they've done an incredible job already in, in kind of, you know, helping the industry come together from a diversity mm. and inclusion point of view. But nonetheless, you know, whether you're male, female, black, white, whatever, you know, whatever your sexual orientation is, actually as a sector, hospitality and the travel industry as well. I know it's sort of adjacent to that, really. A lot of similarities. You know, the, the, you're right. You make life lifelong friends. And, um, and when the times are tough, you pretty quickly see who's there and, and is there to, to, to hold out a hand and to help. And you pretty quickly see who's maybe not quite, you know, what you thought they were going to be. And and I think that happens a lot. And sometimes that can be quite, quite difficult because the people you think were going to be there sometimes mm-hmm. aren't. And the ones that maybe hadn't even considered just really step up and, and are, are absolute heroes in, in supporting you. And mm-hmm. you're right, that network is really key. Um, so, so with the with what you're doing now, Resh, you, you're doing some consultancy work, aren't you? Because obviously you've got all that project management experience. You're clearly like, you know, you know what it's like to run a business um, yourself and, and the full PL accountability. And of course, you've got that great, you know, background in accountancy. So you bring a lot to the table, you know, with all of your years of experience. What are some of the things you're working on at the moment? So late last year, um, we did a few pop-ups at a wine bar um, just to see if that would keep the food alive a bit and keep that going um, and then recently I've just started working with Data Hawks um, and they are they're still hospitality thankfully and it's um, you know pulling all the CRM data from all the different modules that restaurants and hospitality use and then churning it out giving it back to the client and just proving to them like what they're missing out with this data um, what you know the, the amount of profit they could be you know still turning over with just sending out those emails to, to customers and reminding them that you're there and you know the company that I'm working with you know they are quite unique in what they do um, and the way they use the data is quite clever as well so um, yeah I've just started with them a couple of weeks ago and really enjoying working with Vic and the team there. Oh, fantastic. Well, the thing is, there's so many different options for you, isn't there? You know, you could you could go down the entrepreneurial route and kind of open up restaurants and, and you know, stick with that plan. You could continue down the sort of more plural career route of helping other businesses, you know, with advisory work, consultancy. So I think you've got a lot of exciting choices ahead of you, Resh. I, I really have. And, you know, if you think back to to kind of, you know, the, the, the jump out of corporate to entrepreneurial, let's talk about that bit first. Um, any advice that you would give to people that might be listening, thinking about doing, uh, you know, similar, it might be a different business, different sector, but, you know, this concept of sort of leaving a job, if you like, and becoming your own boss, what advice would you give to people on reflection of kind of what you've learned through that process? I mean, it's probably, you know, quite obvious, but I think you really need to just go with your gut. You've got that feeling, you've got that business idea, Um and you know you don't have to you don't have to leave your job. You know if you feel that you need that safety net, just start it on the side. You know start on the side. Get maybe get a group of friends together or, or your partner, or, and just just start it. And there's nothing to stop you from having that as a side hustle to start with. 
um you know the restaurant was different you know physically uh, my time needed to be there um but I'd say just just do it anyway and you, you might surprise yourself yeah, that's that's really yeah. Like you say, life's short, right? None of us know how long we've got. We don't know what's around the corner, you know. And and I think as as we said earlier, you don't want to have any regrets. So I think if you if you've got that burning desire and you've got that niggle, oh, I really would quite like mm. fancy this. How bad can it be? You can always go back and get another job, right? If you don't work exactly. out. So exactly. if that's yeah. the worst. That's not bad, is it? You know, <laughs> that's okay. No, that's great advice. And and in terms of sort of you know the the setting up the business and and the lessons that you learn from from you know running your own business and a restaurant, um, any kind of big sort of things that stand out for you in terms of lessons that you might you know do slightly differently next time or things where you you know you would would create a little bit less pressure for yourself potentially. What what are the things that you'd um you've taken forward? Yeah, I think I you know I tried to do it all on my own. Um, you know. Long with Hina on the side and neither of us had hospitality experience or worked in a restaurant before and I think I would have probably really invested in probably bringing in some sort of consultancy help or something just mm-hmm. to make sure that we're on track you know um in terms of especially the food and the way what we were trying to implement right so you know for me okay I knew that I wanted something to be in a certain way but it didn't mean it was going to be right for the customer so um, I think getting the best advice possible as early on as possible or, you know, go, go and put a shift in a restaurant or, you know, try and get do some volunteering work where you can just pick up this information because um, there's no other way to do it. I think it's that, it's that hands-on, you know, it's only when you open the doors to a place and you run it, that's when you get that hands-on experience. So I think get, getting some proper experience that um, you can put under your belt, really helpful. Yeah, no, that's that's really great advice. Because I mean, essentially, what that does it it one it you know it arms you with more information and kind of mm-hmm. ideas and what have you. But it does de-risk it as well, doesn't it? Because it means that if you're starting, you're not starting totally from scratch and and sort of a bit blind by some of these things, but actually able to go into it probably with your eyes open a little bit more mm-hmm. and and therefore possibly having a bit more of a you know a bit more of a plan around it as well but you know I mean at the end of the day that's how we grow isn't it you know we learn things don't go so well we go okay well that's all right because I learned a lot next time I'll 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 do it this way you know and I think that that's the strength it's never failing it's it's always learning and growth right I agree yeah, 100%. Brilliant. So, Resh, I could chat to you all day. There's loads of questions that I would, I've i got, which I'm not sure we're going to be able to cover in the time given. Um, but just just a, a slight uh, reflection on kind of going full circle, really, in terms of, you know, if you look, think about you, Resh, the little girl growing up, you know, in your in your family unit with your with your mum, dad and, and your siblings and kind of where you are now. What 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 would you say to, to young Resh growing up? That, you, that maybe you as as a as an adult now with all your kind of life experience that you've got what would you say to her you know I, I I think now that I we've got children as well um I think it's really important that I wish I had the balls to probably say to my mum and dad look I don't want to be an accountant this is what I want to do and there was obviously some sort of creative um thing blood running through my vein where I needed to do something creative right and um yeah I think I, w- I should have pushed back a bit more and you know I was quite, quite adamant on the things I did didn't want to do in my life 
Um, but I wish I was more adamant on things I did want to do in my, in my life, you know. And I think now having children, you know, you can experience that firsthand and, you know, going to uni and, you know, getting a degree, I, I think it's a bit overrated, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's more than one way to skin a cat, isn't there? That's yeah. that's the thing. You're absolutely yeah. right. There's you're absolutely right. And 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 with your uh, with your parents, Rush, when you actually you eventually did kind of come out to to them, and obviously you, you know you've, you've produced two beautiful grandchildren now. How mm. how 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 was uh, family life there? Are your parents still still with us? Yeah, they're still around. They live in Southampton, and um, yeah, they they don't want to talk to us anymore. They just want to see their grandkids. <laughs> mad isn't it <laughs> oh my word well that's it when there's little ones in the room that's where the attention immediately exactly. goes isn't exactly. it yeah yeah exactly. no it's great it's really nice it's really nice and we've thankfully got you know both sets of grandparents still with us so it's really nice that our kids get to experience that because I didn't you know my, I had one set of grandparents around um for a while um but having seen that bond grow and the way they they gel with each other and everything is is you know you can't put a price on it. Yeah, and all credit to them, you know, for sort of embracing your situation, mm. you know, because yeah. that's possibly not, you know, maybe they've had to adapt and adjust, you know, their yes. their their thoughts as well through that. So I mean, that's it, isn't it? I guess we're all on a journey, but that's so such a nice um, nice thing to hear. To be honest, Resh, it's really lovely. Thank you. Um, so when we look back then, Resh, can you think of the best piece of advice that you've been given over the years? I bet you've had loads. I've had loads, yeah. Um, <laughs> best piece of advice? Um, probably just to keep keep moving, you know, keep moving forward. Um, I think it's easy to get stuck in, you know, what you're doing and working on that spreadsheet or whatever. But I think, you know, just opening up and looking forward as to like what's my next step going to be and I think companies are really good at like strategizing but I think us as individuals you know when it comes to you and your personal life I don't think we strategize enough and I think that's where I think I had a piece of advice once to just you know look forward and where do you want to see your life in five years time and constantly think about that you know even if it's subconsciously just just have that thought in your head yeah, yeah, that's great advice. Absolutely. Yeah, because if you know where you want to head, you've got more mm. of a chance of getting there, haven't you? Absolutely. Exactly. But you're right. Yeah. Sometimes we're so busy doing the doing um, mm. that we don't give ourselves the headspace to think about um, those important, important things for ourselves. So, no, that's brilliant yeah. advice. And can you think of any bad advice that you've had, Resh? You know, when, when we when we had the restaurant, I think that's when a lot of the bad advice sort of started filtering out. Um, and it would be from customers, to you know it, it, all sorts of areas of life and you know it's it's just those little things it's those little bits of advice you think okay it might be good advice it might be bad advice but um it's what you do with it I think and you know from from a bad advice perspective um nothing nothing that springs to mind I don't think nothing that springs to mind I mean um I think people have their opinions and you know they can share them um and it's how you interpret it right yeah yeah, absolutely. No, that's right. And and sometimes it's that filtering mechanism. I think we were talking mm. about this before, weren't we, Resh? That sometimes if you've had advice that you you know hasn't quite resonated with you, sometimes you go and go, well, thank you for for that feedback. Yeah. I'm processing it, and then I'll decide what to do with it. And actually, exactly. I've, I've put it in my not relevant box or I don't agree yeah. box. So I'm leaving it over yeah. there. <laughs> but, not, but nothing that I've nothing that I've thought. Okay, I took some advice, and you know, I've 
acted on it if that makes sense yeah no that absolutely does make sense no that that's that's um that makes absolute sense so so Resh, you know the podcast called brave bold brilliant you know and as as ambitious go-getting women that we are um warts and all <laughs> what does that mean to you when you think about brave bold brilliant what does it mean to you Resh? um i think having the ability to sort of tell yourself as a woman you know that you can achieve anything and you know having that that boldness is that is that sort of you know it doesn't matter what you think or that person thinks this person thinks it's just like I'm going to do this irrespective of what people think and I remember you know when we opened the restaurant I think you know within a day or two this lady came in and she said to me this will never work and she just she just lived in the neighborhood right and I can she might be right now but at the time it worked and it worked really well and I think you know going through these journeys going through life going through interactions you have with people those are the things that make you more brilliant more bold and more brave you know because you're always constantly going to have these challenges in life where people are going to try and push you back or put you down and it's what it's what your mindset is like and you've got to keep it and you've got to keep it brave, keep it bold, keep it brilliant, and keep moving forward. Love it. You are a woman after my own heart. So thank you so much, Resh. It's been an absolute joy, honestly. You you have covered, we've covered so much. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really hope you've enjoyed Brave, Bold, Brilliant. Don't forget to subscribe and share with all your friends. And if you've enjoyed listening, I'd love it if you'd leave me a five-star review.